Hi, and welcome to the Internet Marketing Show that gives you, amongst other things, simple, proven, and practical steps to build your very own successful online business. Here's your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. Hello, and welcome to today's session. We're talking today about your signature talk. Now, as we know, all business is based on communications, right? And one of the key communication skills is having what is referred to as a signature talk or a signature presentation. So today I'm following up my communication with compassion with what I learned from Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn. Now, these two guys, I mean, they're incredible. They provide communication skills to the likes of people like Tony Robbins, Russell Brunson, T. Harv Eker, Brendan Pichard, Eric Warre, Grant Cordon, etc. I mean, unbelievable. They are one of the best in the world at this. My name is Peter Beckett. I'm the Village Marketer. So today I'm sharing their secrets of getting people to want to engage with you after you've communicated with them using your signature talk. Communicating with compassion is so very important in the world today. As Maya Angelou once famously said, people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. And that is the crux of communicating with compassion. That is also the crux of getting your signature presentation, your signature talk right. I mean, the world needs your help right now. There are people who have problems and you have the solution to that problem. So really, your only goal for every conversation, for every presentation you ever make, is that people will want to engage with you after that conversation. I mean, that should be your only measure of success, right? Otherwise, you're just spending a lot of time talking for nothing. So let's talk about your signature talk. I mean, what is a signature talk? Well, a signature talk is how you present yourself, how you present your information to others. Your signature talk is not just getting up on stages. Your signature talk is used every single day, and you may not even realise that. For example, your signature talk is used on the phone. Your signature talk is used in your Facebook Lives, in webinars, on podcasts, presentations, workshops, and training sessions. So you better make sure we get the signature talk right, okay? However, more often than not, it's used on a one-to-one, like across the table from somebody, or it's used in a telephone conversation, or on a Skype or a Zoom call. So whether you've got three minutes or 30 minutes to present what you do and how you do it, you better make sure you've got a structured, well-organized signature talk. And that's why I'm focusing on it today for you. And so your signature talk communications is what I'm going to share with you today, whether it's one-on-one or one-to-many, whether it's on a stage or online, whether it's in your living room, whether it's at Starbucks or whether it's in a big hotel ballroom. It doesn't matter. The key point is getting your signature talk right. The things I'm going to share with you today are not my opinion. Sure, I learnt them from Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn, but they are using research that backs up a whole lot of key 
components of a great signature talk. This is research from people like Robert Cialdini, Neil Strauss and Scott Adams, some of the leaders in the world. And what the research shows that if you get your signature talk right, people will not just want to engage with you, but really need to engage with you after you communicate them. See the impact you can have. So I'm excited to share what Pete Vargas and Pat Quinn have taught me. The very first thing you need before we even get started on what you're going to say is clarity on two questions. Let's get this clear before we even think about starting building your signature talk. First, who is the audience you serve? We need to be clear about that. And second, what is the problem that you solve for that audience? Now let's go to the problem that you solve for them first, okay? A lot of times when you ask people what problem do you solve for your audience, they don't tell you a problem. They actually tell you a solution or they name a product or a program. I want you to focus on the problem that you solve for your audience, not the solution. And here's the hard part. I want you to explain it. But I want you to explain it in the words that the customer would use, in the words that the prospect would use. You see, a lot of us become experts, experts in our own area, experts in our own product. And we hang around other people who work for the same company, for example, and we start to pick up a language, a different language altogether. We stop using words that everyday ordinary people who've never heard of us before use. And we start using words that only people who are in the circle, or our niche, our marketplace, actually know and understand. You see, one of the hardest things for an expert to do is to remember what it was like before we knew all the stuff that we now know. So the question you should be asking before you're speaking with a customer or a prospect or somebody who's never met you before or had the opportunity to hear you speak before, the question you should be asking is, what were they laying awake last night thinking about? What was keeping them up? What were they calling their best friends and complaining about? And what were the words they used to describe it? Because if you can get those words right, and by the way, you know you'll have the words right, because if you have, the person you're speaking will, will start vigorously nodding their head up and down and lean in towards you. Then you know you're talking their language. I mean, I've seen it happen so many times in rooms and conversations, but even also online, even on Zoom, even on one-to-one conversations on Skype. I've seen it happen when you're using their language, then they lean into you. Okay, and when they lean into you, you know they're listening and they're understanding and they're appreciating you. So people will nod their heads and lean in towards you when you get the language right. That's a key factor for you to look for. So make sure you pay attention to these words because if you get the words right and you spend a little time at the beginning of your presentation saying these words that perfectly describe the problem they're struggling with, then it really doesn't matter what you do for the rest of the presentation. They're going to want to go further with you anyway. But if you get the words wrong, if you don't connect with them on the problem that you solve for them, or you state it in a language that they don't understand, then it doesn't really matter what you do for the rest of your presentation. They're not going to want to go further with you anyway because you didn't understand them. That's their perception. I've actually heard it said, 
spend less time trying to get them to understand you and more time trying to make sure they know you understand them? That's the first clarity question. The second clarity question is, who is the audience that you solve it for? Now, it can't be for everyone. I want you, at least at the beginning, to narrow down that niche. And oftentimes, that's a group that you already belong to. I mean, you know, the first group that I started helping become salespeople were teachers, because I was one of them. I spent 16 years in Australia as a teacher. So I spoke their language. I knew about their problems. They trusted me and I knew them. So oftentimes we want to go to groups that we belong to already and say, that's our first audience. Let's direct all our communication to that. And if I grow that audience, that's great. But that should be where I go first. And so once you have clarity on those two questions, what problem do I solve and who do I solve it for? Then you can start looking at your signature talk, your signature presentation. And remember, this isn't just for getting up on stage and speaking. This is for every one-on-one conversation you're ever going to have. This is for every telephone conversation you're going to have. This is for every time you have three people or 30 people in front of you. I'm going to show you the four-part story framework because most people think about their presentations all the wrong way. Most people, when they start presenting, dive straight into their content, right into their products or their opportunity or their solution. And that's a huge mistake. Sure, your content is one part of your presentation, but it's not the most important part. So let's look at the four-part story framework that you should be adopting for your signature talk. The four parts are heart, head, hands, heart again. The first thing you should start with is an opening heart story. The purpose of this is to connect with your audience and you should do this before you teach them anything for their head. Their head is the content bit, right? So after you do the opening heart story, the next part is the head or the content and this is where you're going to teach them something, something new, something they haven't heard before. The third part of the four-part framework is the hands, or what we call the call to action. We call it the hands because people raising their hands saying, yes, 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 I'm interested. And the call to action is where you give the audience the next step for them. Every great presentation has one next step, not two, not three, just one next step. A great presentation leads the audience down a path to a single point of decision. Do you want to do it? Yes or no? A great presentation doesn't lead the audience down to four options. You can do this next, you can do this, or you can do that, or whatever. When you do that, the audience freezes with fear and confusion. They don't know what to do next. So guess what happens? They don't do anything. But don't just stop there at the call to action. Because that's what happens. Sometimes people stop after their call to action, but they leave a lot of opportunities on the table. They also leave a lot of impact that you can have on the table as well. That's why the fourth part is a heart again. You want to finish the story with an emotional heart story, reconnecting with why you do what you do and reminding them why they want to do business with you. So in the next few minutes, I'm going to go through each of these four parts, right? Heart, 
head, hands and heart again. I'm going to go through these four parts and give you a few very specific things that you must do. Anytime you're communicating to one person or many on the phone, online or on stage, I want to give you specific things that you can do. Let's start with the opening heart story, okay? You have three things that you need to do in the first five minutes of any presentation or any conversation or any signature talk. You need to be ordinary, you need to be extraordinary, and you need to show your why. Ordinary means I'm just like you. I worried about what you worried about. I've struggled with what you've struggled with. I've walked in your shoes. Extraordinary means I've figured it out. I've solved the problem that you have. Now, we've all heard speakers who are way too extraordinary. They stand up on stage and say, everything I touch turns to gold. My life is great. I have a private plane. I make $500 million a year, blah, 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 right? And an extraordinary story with no ordinary aspect leads people to not being able to relate or connect with you in any way at all. But on the other end of the spectrum, we also probably heard speakers who are just too ordinary. They stand up and say, hey, I'm just like you. I struggle with what you struggle with. I've got a pile of credit card debt. I'm actually declaring bankruptcy next week, so I understand where you're coming from. And at some point, people will be sitting there thinking, well, then why in the heck am I working with you? Ordinary without extraordinary parts lead people to think that you've got nothing to offer. So why in the heck am I listening to you? So if you can be a speaker who can do both, who can be both ordinary, I've walked in your shoes, but extraordinary, I figured out one solution to one problem that you have, then that will get you a whole lot more business. That will exponentially grow your business through communication with compassion. Now, the third thing you need to do in your first five minutes is to show you why. And this can't be just about money. This can't be just about getting one more customer or one more member of your team. You have to share and give a reason why this isn't just a business for you. This is a passion. This is a mission that you're on. Make sense? Now, the fastest and the easiest way to be ordinary, extraordinary, and show your why in less than five minutes is through episodic storytelling. Episodic storytelling is not to read me your resume. Episodic storytelling is not to tell me a story like you're a third-party narrator who's writing a book about me. Episodic storytelling is your ability to take us into a place into a room where we can see what you see, where we can hear what you hear, where we feel what you feel. And when you do that, the audience will become emotionally attached to you and your story in a way that simply isn't possible any other way. And by the way, when you do that, they'll want to do business with you for the rest of your life. You need to be able to share your real emotions, your transparency and your authenticity. And this takes some intestinal fortitude to do this. I appreciate it. But remember, you're showing ordinary and extraordinary, both sides of the story, okay? Not just one or the other. Certainly, they'll listen to the rest of your presentation if you do this. 
But more importantly, they'll want to do business with you. They'll want to buy products. They want to listen, move forward and work with you. And yes, you can do this. You may be thinking, I don't have a story to tell, Peter. You do have a story to tell. And it doesn't matter how ordinary it is to you. Ordinary stories can be the most impactful, can be the most successful. So you have a story to tell and you have a room that you can take us to where we can see what you see, hear what you hear and feel what you feel. Now it takes practice to get this signature talk right, especially the start. Okay, This is where we are right now. But you're getting the outline of that and I'm hoping it's making some sense to you. You see, with your epistolic storytelling, when you do that, whether you're talking to one person or a hundred people, they'll become emotionally attached to you for the rest of your life and they want to go forward and do business with you. That is your opening heart story. And at the end of it, you want to provide a simple roadmap with a time factor. For example, over the next 20 minutes, I'm going to teach you this, this and this. This roadmapping is simply telling them what you're going to teach them as you go forward through your presentation, through your signature talk. And by the way, here's a pro ninja tip. Great speakers, when they have something really important to say, they don't start talking loud or yelling. Great speakers don't start pounding the podium or saying, you should write that down. Watch carefully next time to a great speaker. Because what they do, they simply quickly look left and right and then just drop their head about six inches and say what they want to say there, still looking at the audience. And everybody leans forward and pays attention. Okay, A very effective way of communicating. Now, the second part of your presentation is the content or actually teaching your audience. We call this the head part of your presentation. Now, I want this part of your presentation to be broken up into, say, three or four sections at most. We like three sections of content, three steps that they can take because everybody can remember three things or four things. That's why telephone numbers are broken up into three digits or four digits, right? And now here's the key. I want you to offer real solutions to the audience, real solutions, whether they ever do business with you or not. You actually want to give them advice, counsel, resources, teaching that will help them solve the problem that we agreed that they had in the first place. And when we ask the clarity question, the problem you described in your opening story, you want to give them real solutions to that problem. Whether they ever sign with you or not, whether they ever become a team member or a customer, it doesn't matter. Give them the real solution. And you want to make sure that you do it with your heart open, giving them your very best stuff. See, the type of presentation that doesn't convert is a presentation that only describes the problem. People already know they have the problem, right? You must give real solutions so they can feel, hey, this person really helped me. Now, I must admit that I was taught to do presentations or Facebook Lives when I did that to give people all the what-to-dos, but not the how-tos. I was taught to give them the reasons to come back to me to find out how to do it, okay? Boy, was I wrong in thinking this. And I was still, and I still do that sometimes. I've got to stop myself, right? Why is it wrong not to give your 
best you can, including the real solution? Well, some people come to me and they say, Peter, if I give them my real solutions, real help with their problem, why would they want to do business with me? They've already got the answer. Your response that I learned the hard way, by the way, should always be this. Hey, if you don't give them real help, why would they want to do business with you anyway? Okay, make sense? One more thing that you can do in this head content section of your presentation is to refer to yourself by your first name in a conversation. And that might sound crazy, right? But I'll say it again. You need to refer to yourself by your first name in a conversation. I mean, I just did this a minute ago. People come to me and say, Peter, hey, what about this or that? Okay. And I say, well, teach them the solution to the one problem you promised. That's the answer. But more importantly, why do you want to refer to yourself by your first name in the conversation? Well, you do this to teach the audience so the audience can start rehearsing the next step with you. Because the next step with you is probably another conversation. If you're going on Facebook Live and you're doing a five-minute, for example, Facebook Live, although some of mine are going for 15, right? But if you're doing your five-minute Facebook Live, absolutely use this format. Start with a story. Teach one thing. Give a call to action and finish with a story. And if you want them to follow up a conversation, remember, as human beings, we don't actually do anything that we don't rehearse in our heads hundreds of times before. And the first barrier to break in having a follow-up conversation is, what would I call you? What I mean by this, if you get to the end of your Facebook Live, for example, and you say, and I've done this so many times, right? hey, if you want a conversation about this, or you're not sure about how to do this, reach out and message me. I've been guilty of that many, many times. I even did it again last week. But if you do that, they're going to be shocked by having to consider having a conversation with you if they don't even know what they would call you. But if early in your presentation you say, for example, many times I've been asked, Peter, what should I do about this? That puts you through the barrier and they will immediately start rehearsing, having that conversation with you. You want them using most of their headspace, right? Not to listen to your presentation, but rehearsing, taking the next step with you. That way, when you get the call to action, it won't come as a shock. It won't come as a surprise to them. They're actually going to say, huh, I thought you'd never ask. This is the content section of your presentation, right? All we want you to do is teach them one or two things that will actually help them. You want to follow that section of your presentation with the third section of the presentation, which is the hands up or the call to action. Great presentations, as I said before, give the audience one specific thing to do next. That is the call to action. But let me tell you this. If you get this far in your presentation, and this is the first time they're hearing about what they should do next, you've already blown it. Key point, okay? Instead, you need to embed the next step in the content section of your presentation, in the head section of your presentation. And you want to do this for two reasons. First, the human mind listens to different types of speech differently. We listen to stories and we don't listen to details. We listen to content and we take notes on the details. What the human mind can recognise really quickly is sales. And when we're listening to sales, we listen with a completely different mindset. 
we listen with a sceptical mind, a non-trusting mind. And so one of the things you must do in your presentation with the content area is to do what most people would do at the end of their presentation. Refer to yourself by your first name. Give it a specific example of it. Hey, Peter, can, is it a way to do this, y, x, y, and z, whatever it may be? And you give the answer. If you do this and you refer to yourself by your first name, then the audience will have an opportunity to start rehearsing in their head, taking that next step with you. So when you get to the call to action, it doesn't come as a shock or a surprise. They actually say, as I said, I thought you'd never ask. I've been hoping you'd give me this opportunity because I've been thinking about it for the last 20 minutes. That's why embedding is so powerful, because it allows the audience to rehearse the response ahead of time. So this is the call to action, right? Now, obviously, it's going to be shorter than you're expecting, because most of what you're going to do in this part of the presentation, you did early in the presentation. But don't end with just a call to action. And again, this is something I've been guilty of as well. You want to offer your call to action earlier in the presentation when the audience is listening, listening with trusting, believing mind, not a sceptical, objection-raising mind, right? This is called embedding. And all I want you to do is tell a story or do a case study or give an example of people who've taken the next step with you. For example, if you're trying to get people to come to one of your team events, you should tell a story early in your presentation about somebody who attended your last team event. If you're trying to get someone to use your products, for example, then you should tell a story early on about a customer who uses your products. And if you're trying to get someone to join your team and become a distributor, if you're a network marketer, for example, you should tell a story about that. Give an example of somebody who did just that. And the reason why you don't want to end with your call to action is you want to add a fourth section to your presentation, right? Why? Because there are two types of decision makers in the world. You should add on a closing heart story because there are two types of decision makers, as I said, tactical decision makers and emotional decision makers. And if you're only doing a tactical call to action, you're missing out on at least 50% of the impact that you could be having within the audience that you speak to. I mean, a tactical decision maker makes decisions based on tactics. Here are the details. Here's how you sign up. Here's what the cost is. Here's what you do next. Tactics, 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 right? And if that's all that you do, the emotional decision maker is going to be left high and dry. Now, by the way, some people only do the emotional part, not the tactical part. I mean, they say things like, hey, it's going to feel good for you and you're going to have the freedom you want. And people think, I don't even know what it is yet. What are you talking about? What is it? So you've got to do both. And when you do both, you're going to have a lot more people saying yes to the next opportunity. The next opportunity is talking with you, working with you, joining with you, whatever your call to action is, right? And by the way, if you sell anything to couples, or at any time in your process, someone has to ask their spouse for permission, you should know that with most married couples, one is a tactical decision maker, married to an emotional decision maker. And you've got to get them both to say yes. That's why you've got to use not just a tactical finish, but also an emotional story finish to your four-stage process. 
You see, it's very important that you have both technical calls to action and an emotional closing story so that you maximise the impact and the influence you can have on other people's lives to improve the world. So when you put it all together, you've got a four-part story structure, a four-part signature story. Heart, head, hands, heart. And when you implement this correctly, you're going to see your conversion rates really bloom. Whether you're trying to get people to become a customer, whether you're trying to get people to take an advantage of an opportunity you have, or to become distributors or join your team, whether you're going on Facebook or reaching out to people to get them to come to one of your events or or a next event that you're going to put on, whatever it is, you need to use this approach. You need to have a signature talk that works. This is the four-part structure that gets people to take the action that you want. Yes, this is the four-part structure that gets people to move from where they are now and take the next step with you. Using this format gives you a system that not only lays out your personal story, but it gives you a way to invite people to become a client, to join your team, to buy your product without being salesy, without being forced, without feeling awkward. Everything you want happens with this four-part story framework, this four-part signature talk. But you don't just want to be rehearsing your signature talk in your mirror or practice role-playing with another salesperson or a member of your company. You want to be getting your four-part signature story out there in front of more and more people because this is how you can scale your business. Once you've got your signature story right, okay, you're then into the sales and marketing bit. Okay, this is the key bit where you are actually getting your signature story out in front of people. And by the way, here are some sales and marketing strategies that most small businesses are not using correctly. I mean, you could call these types of stages for your signature talk if you want. And what are they? Social media lives, webinars, challenges, podcasts, YouTube channel, courses and membership sites, virtual events, physical events, masterminds, both virtual and face-to-face. If you do this right, you haven't got to do them all, right? But if you use some of these and get your signature talk out there in front of more and more people, this will definitely increase your potential for quality prospects. So the message is clear, right? Structure your signature talk and get on in front of as one to many or one to one or one to five Get in front of as many people as you can and share that signature talk of yours. And here's how you do it. Okay? If you want to, for example, join somebody's podcast, the first thing you've got to do is build some rapport with them. The second thing is you've got to recognize what's going on in the world. The third thing is you want to do is honor them for what they're doing in their community to make an impact. The fourth thing is that you want to present the problem that they're facing. The fifth thing is you want to show them the solution. The sixth thing is that you want to present a win-win. And the seventh thing is you want to do a call to action. They're the seven steps you need to follow in order to get your signature talk in front of other people. A quick point, by the way, when I mention honour, do you research, for example, on the potential podcaster you're hoping to get on and honour them for what they're doing in the community to make an impact? 
also when presenting the problem, show them the solution, the real solution. Present a win-win. Your win is being invited to be on their stage, right? And their win is going to be about knowing you can really help and serve their community and also make them look good for having a resource like you to share it with them. So the key to rapid growth of your business based on compassion is to get your signature talk on other people's stages as often as you can and don't just rely on social media or blog posts. And by the way, when you do this, give away some of your very best stuff in order to get people's contact information. Building your list is an essential part of your business success. So for example, if you're on a podcast, then what you do is you give them a URL where they can go and pick up something free, which is valuable, etc. But in order to get that, they have to actually opt in and join your list, right? Let me conclude by telling you, if you can learn how to communicate with passion and compassion, educate with integrity, and guide people's thinking in a non-pressurized way, then you'll never, ever have to worry about money for the rest of your life. I hope you got real value from this call. And once again, my special thanks to Pete Vargas and Pat Flynn for their awesome coaching on this important topic of your signature talk. It's an essential component of communicating with compassion strategy. Thanks again for listening. All the best and talk to you next time. Thanks so much for listening to the Internet Marketing Center Show with your host, the village marketer himself, Peter Beckenham. For more great content, go online, peterbeckenham.com. We'll catch you next time.